You are Locked On Ravens, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Ravens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. This is our Friday episode of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, we are Jacob Troxel, who you can catch on Twitter at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. Myself, I'm Matthew Stevens. You can catch me at Matthew S underscore NFL. And both of us you can catch on Twitter at Locked On Ravens. Uh, we've got a great show. We're going to go ahead and go over the AFC North. It's, it's week one. What is everyone, what are we kind of expecting all the AFC North players to go ahead and do? Then we're going to talk about Ravens playoff. Uh, what do they need to do in order to make the playoffs? How can they possibly implode? Can they make it to the Super Bowl? What needs to happen in order that, for that to happen? And then we take a quick look at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we bounce off of our crossover episode from yesterday and talk a little bit about uh, a bold prediction from each uh, of Jacob or and myself. Um, let's first go ahead and mention our sponsors real quick. It's my bookie, DraftKings, and Sonos today. Let's break it down to segment one, Jacob. Uh, AFC North preview, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go ahead and just talk real quick about their uh, free agent additions. They didn't do much this year in terms of that. It seems like they're really bouncing off of what last year was. They added strong safety, Morgan Burnett, to a three-year, fourteen, a little over $14 million deal. John Bostick inside linebacker, two-year deal, pretty uh, basic deal there. And that's really the the extent of their large signings. There's a few other guys that got added in, but uh, those are their two big guys this year. What they do in terms of the draft? So in the draft, they added another wide receiver next to Juju Smith-Schuster, who had a breakout year last year. They went ahead and got James Washington in the second round, the same round they got Smith-Schuster in last year. So hoping for another uh, kind of breakout year from him, possibly going to see him in the slot. Who knows? We might have Smith-Schuster in the slot, might move those guys around. The Steelers are very good at kind of using different sets to complement the skills of their receivers. So that's kind of the biggest addition on offense. They also drafted Mason Rudolph as a possible uh, second or third string quarterback. Uh, So those are the two to kind of uh, uh, note on offense, uh, they got a, a strong safety in Terrell Edmonds in the first round this year. Uh, not sure how much we'll see of him um, because I, I still think uh, Sean Davis and Mor- uh, Morgan Burnett are solid guys. So it'll be interesting to see how much he is utilized in different uh, schemes and uh, things as the season moves along. So those are the two or the three, I guess, uh, kind of notable guys. The only way I think Mason, Mason Rudolph sees action is if uh, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. But as we've seen before, Roethlisberger plays hurt uh, a lot. So uh, not really sure if we'll see Rudolph anytime soon. Yeah, it's also worth noting, I think the, the Steelers' biggest storyline this offseason has been Le'Veon Bell. I mean, we covered him in a, in a segment a few days ago. He hasn't reported to the Steelers training uh, facility for, for at all of training camp, at all of the preseason, and then now for start of the regular season uh there there's now talk about him legitimately actually holding out all nine games um and and still trying to come back in game maybe 10 uh, in order to kind of retain that free agency status at the end of the year he's on that franchise deal yet again uh but he's fighting for some big cash uh, that's got to be their biggest concern right now i mean even beyond roethlisberger 
Le'Veon Bell is, is a lot of this offense in, in a large way. I mean, they've got Antonio Brown. They've got Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they, they've got a lot of talent, but Le'Veon Bell's kind of their guy. Do you think if Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up for the first nine games, do you think that just tanks their season? I don't think it tanks their season because I think James Conner is certainly a guy that can fill the role for maybe not in the entire season. I think he's a solid guy, but he could definitely have a good stretch of uh, eight or nine games to fill that void. And I think we've seen enough of Ben over the years to know that he can hold his own and use his receivers in uh, different ways to kind of complement uh, a running game that uh, maybe isn't there. And Antonio Brown has taken uh, some of the load off of the running game when they haven't had Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, Bell's been injured and has been suspended before, and they've they've gone without him. So I think they'll be okay. I am concerned, though, if they don't get Le'Veon back at all the entire season, what that means playoff time. But obviously that's way down the road, and I don't even know if we know uh, what what the Steelers are thinking. I don't know if Le'Veon Bell knows what he's going to be doing eight <laughs> weeks from now. So it, it'll be just a big storyline to follow uh, as the season goes on. And who knows, maybe week four, obviously Ravens are most concerned with week four against the Steelers. If he's not there, that is a huge help for Baltimore. Well, let me ask you, Jacob, real quick. Uh, what do you think when what do you think the Steelers can do in terms of the season what do you think their final record is now uh with without Bell doesn't really much matter I, I think uh you go with what their roster is now and that's Bell is on the roster do you think this is a 10 and 6 team 9 and 7 team do you think it's 13 and 3 or something like that I think with or without him they still should be respected as a around a 12 win team I think it makes sense to still have them uh, winning the division, I, I still, I mean, like I said, I'm still not sure what's going to happen here with this. I would be very surprised if Bell doesn't play um, the entire season. I, I, I have a feeling that he would at least come back because I believe it's week 10, where if he doesn't play by week 10, then he isn't eligible to be a free agent after the season because he wouldn't have qualified for that first year. Um, so that's the, that's probably the biggest thing that I uh, think is of note. Um, but either way, I think they're still they still should be respected as the team that uh, can at least get to 11, 12 wins. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. I think really their their floor as of right now, just because of all the offensive talent they have, is a nine win type of of team. Um, you know, those around Pittsburgh maybe not as confident as as we are, but you know we've seen that team go ahead and battle. Uh, you know, around the AFC North, obviously for for the last twenty one years. Uh, with with the Ravens, so we're we're fully understanding of of what they can do with or without Bell. They, they still have a, a decent enough defense to get the job done. And obviously, when you're talking about Antonio Brown, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, you know even Connor maybe as as the running back, and then Ben Roethlisberger. That's a tough team to go ahead and battle uh, for for 16 games. Uh, they, they should still be up there, like you said. They should still be competing for this division with or without Le'Veon Bell. Let's bounce real quick to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, the Bengals didn't really do much uh, this offseason. It was kind of a shock that Marvin Lewis even came back, that he signed an extension this year uh, to go ahead yeah. and continue being the head coach. It shocked a lot of Bengals fans, I know that. Um, this year, they really kind of just retained a lot of their own guys. I mean, the only guys they didn't really keep free agency wise, or, or they didn't, uh, 
they signed from outside of their own team is Preston Brown, inside linebacker from Buffalo on a one-year, $4 million deal. Uh, Matt Barkley, obviously, they brought in on a two-year, $3.1 million deal. Uh, and then Chris Baker from Tampa Bay on a one-year, $3 million deal. Their biggest signing was actually their punter uh, on a three-year, almost $8 million deal. So there's not really a whole lot going on if you are Cincinnati. I think the hope is that their their draft maybe fixes some things and then maybe that they're uh, able to have some of their young talent finally show up in, in guys like John Ross and, and uh, you know, Mixon as well. Yeah, and you look at their draft. I mean, it wasn't the – they didn't have the sexiest first-round pick either with Billy Price, the, uh, the center out of Ohio State. Uh, obviously an important position, but um, not the uh, most outlandish or you know maybe uh, fan-exciting pick. Um, they did go ahead and get a free safety in Jesse Bates. Uh, in the second round, and I I like their third round selection, Malik Jefferson, the linebacker. I think, well, he's not slated to start, uh, but I think he can do a lot of things, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season we see him uh, take on a very important role with the team. I like just their 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 defense. Uh, a, a couple players on their defense for for years now have been uh, pretty consistent. Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap up front, but uh, I don't see this win this team getting too far past uh, five, maybe six wins just because I think there are uh, a few close games they might lose. And I think the game last year against the Ravens was a bit of a fluke. Tyler Croft uh, had, um, I mean, he just torched the Ravens with two touchdowns and uh, a couple catches there. So I just don't think that this team has what it takes. Like you said, with uh, Marvin Lewis coming back, Everybody, I think, was surprised with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Bengals and Browns kind of uh, around the same spot in the division. Yeah, it's worth noting that, you know, even with their offense, and I think a lot of people view their offense with, you know, A.J. Green and Joe Mixon and now John Ross from last year who, who didn't get any real playing time, um, that they were they, they were expected to be a, a, at least a good offense and they finished last year 32nd in yards per game and 26th in points per game on offense they were bad they were just bad um and even defensively i mean they were you're talking about 18 uh 18th in in yards per game uh they they gave up nearly the the most rushing yards per game they were ranked 30th uh you know they, they were good in terms of the passing game but for the most part, they were, they were just a bad team. I mean, they, they, they were mediocre at best, but they played really strong inside the division, which, as Ravens fans know, going up against the Browns twice a year, it, a lot of people think that's a gimme, but the Browns and the Bengals fight every single time. Uh, there, there are no gimmies in this division if you're inside this division. So I kind of agree with you. I think at, at their highest, they're an 8-8 eight and eight team. Um, and it's just a matter of when will Marvin Lewis be hired as a defensive coordinator elsewhere. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And uh, I, that, that brings us on to the Browns real quick. Yeah, the Browns. So the Browns, obviously, they do what they do every offseason, which is sign everyone regardless of the cost. Uh, let's go ahead and break <laughs> down some of their guys. This is really going to be their, their biggest point that we're going to talk about. Chris Hubbard, right tackle, signed him on a five-year, $36.5 million deal. Uh, signed a cornerback, Travis Carey. Four-year, $31 million deal. Running back Carlos Hyde, three-year, $15.25 million deal. Tight end Darren Fells. Uh, defensive end Chris Smith. 
Uh, Terrence Mickle, uh, Mitchell, the the cornerback from from Kansas City. Uh, Drew Stanton as as a backup quarterback. EJ Gaines. Uh, you know, a, a lot of big deals in terms of that. And then obviously they added in uh, uh, Jarvis Landry this year, um, which was kind of their their biggest signing from from an offensive standpoint. I, I, I'm not entirely sure there's anything, you know, th- this is what Cleveland does every single year. They sign everybody on the planet. Yep. They, they try to go ahead and make sweeping changes from year to year. And then two years later, they fire everybody and then try to do it again underneath a new GM and a new head coach. And uh, do you think the Browns, uh, we've seen this out of enough people where people are saying they're a 10 and six team. Mm-hmm. Madden has them at 10 and six and went in the division, uh, which, which irked me off when I simulated that. But is this a ten and sixteen, or really is this is this the Browns doing what the Browns do every single year, and they're really just a, a mediocre football team again? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we could probably have a whole week's worth of episodes on <laughs> the Browns and mistakes that were made and uh, draft picks that went down uh, the toilet. Um, but you know, some some of these guys in the draft, they might be good. It just depends on again how they're going to utilize them year to, year to year and. I don't know if I would have gone, this is going back to the draft. I don't know if I would have gone with Baker Mayfield first overall. Uh, They go ahead and grab Denzel Ward with the fourth overall pick. So I, you know, and a lot of scouts were in the opinion that Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn state and Bradley Chubb defensive end from uh, NC state were the two best players in the draft overall. And it seems that if um, they would have taken Barkley at one, they could have gotten Chubb at four. And I was thinking about that today, man, just thinking about what Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb would have looked like next to each other. And, you know, if the Ravens maybe don't bolster this offensive line a little bit, oh man, that, that Browns game could get ugly. Cause I know that was uh, one thing you were talking about was possibly the offensive line being a weakness. Uh, but they don't do that. Uh, they they go with a quarterback. You know, Baker might be the next guy. Who knows? They have to be all in on him if that's what they're going with here. Um, you know, they go again. Go ahead and get Austin Corbett, uh, the left guard in the second round, and a few other guys. But really, I think it's just a matter of how are they going to utilize everyone they've got now. Uh, Thirty-one new players on the fifty-three man roster, more than any other team in the league. So. It, it's just going to be up to the coaches, the coordinators, and what they do schematically to to put these guys in winning situations. Because if they, I mean, at this point, if you completely turn over the roster like this, I can't blame the players, like year in and year out, that come into the same situation. And some players have gone elsewhere and succeeded. So, um, you know, it, it just comes down to how, what they do schematically, and I think they're going to be pretty much around the same point that the Bengals are. Uh, the Browns have a tough schedule, too, by the way. Fifth uh, in winning percentage uh, from last year, tied for fifth, I believe. Uh, uh, so it'll be a tough year for them, and I just don't see this being the year they get to the playoffs either. So Browns fans, you'll have to wait till next year again. Yeah, you know, it's that's the thing I always do when I look at the Browns is I always go – Man, if they just had some patience, if they just gave, you know, the, their guys a little bit more time to develop, if they gave uh, their their coaching staff a little bit more time to maybe invest in their scheme, 
that's when you would yeah. see things probably change there. And, and defensively, the Browns were actually halfway decent. They gave up the you know 14th least uh, yards per game, so they were about middle of the pack there. They were, uh, total all, they were second best in rushing yards per play on defense. Now, the problem is, is in the passing game, they gave up the 19th most passing yards in a game um, and 26th were uh, best in passing yards per play. They were also next to last in interception rate, uh, which is, is a huge point, but they were also 31st in points per game. Now, some of that you really can't necessarily blame on the defense because, well, when the offense gives up the ball in, in great field position, it's kind of hard for a defense to maybe stop uh, any other team from scoring. And that's that's really been the mark of this team is defensively they're actually not bad, but they're just dreadful uh, offensively. They, they had the least points per game uh, over the season. They were next to last in average time of possession, which, again, Ravens fans fully know that's a killer for a defense when they never get off the field. They were 24th in yards per uh, per game and, and per play. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just they were bottom of the league offensively, and they gave up yep. so many big plays offensively, but then couldn't get the ball back defensively. They couldn't they couldn't take get splash plays defensively, which was a killer. So, with a little bit more time, maybe a little bit more patience, that would be great. You may be able to turn this franchise around, but that has not been the forte of the Cleveland Browns over the last decade. Well over the ever really so <laughs> yeah and and the last the last thing i'll say about the the browns real quick is and they keep doing this they when you draft a quarterback in the first round with the first overall pick nonetheless you're banking not only banking on him to be the next guy for the next 15 20 years but if that doesn't work out then you set the franchise back even further and like i said about saquon barkley or bradley chubb um you know if if well, they had one and four, but, um, you know, if you trade that one pick down for more picks, then you're able to address multiple position groups, running back, defensive end, uh, maybe even offensive line, you know, earlier in the draft instead of the second round, if if that's how they feel about some of the prospects that are there. So it's just imperative that they address these other groups because it's so tough for a rookie to come into a position where, uh, you know, he doesn't have an offensive line or receiver or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes that's been the situation. Sometimes it hasn't, but um, you know, like I said, it'll come down to how they use guys schematically. So uh, moving right along though. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk a little about, uh, you know, betting. Obviously betting is a huge part of football nowadays. Uh, I like to go ahead and maybe toss a little money here and there and see, see what I can't go ahead and do. So when I do, I always go with my bookie. My bookie is the place to go. Mybookie.com. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. I'm giving you a great review right now. Their mobile site is easy to use. Just lay down some cash and win big today. So they have in-game live betting, which is is a huge thing. Uh, The most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a specific player will score each game. So uh, that's huge. That's huge. It's it's like the the daily uh, uh, individual pickums, uh, but you get to go ahead and actually win cash instead of just trying to win your own fantasy league. Go to mybookie.com and they're going to go ahead and match your deposit dollar for dollar. So you put in a hundred bucks, they're going to give you a hundred bucks to make it two hundred. That's pretty awesome if you use our promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N. 
Go to mybookie.com and do not forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's also talk a little bit about the college launch. We, as a network, have launched a bunch of college shows. The Locked On Network is, is expanded with college shows. Coming this week, Locked On Wolverines, Locked On Buckeyes, and Locked On Seminoles. Plus, we've already locked on to the Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, Crimson Tide, Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and Cougars. Find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Of course, got to go ahead and do a quick little segment for ourselves. I'm Matthew Stevens. You can catch me on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. Joined, as always, by Jacob Troxel, who you can catch at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. You can also catch both of us, the entire podcast, on Twitter at LockedOnRavens. We're going to go ahead and talk a little about the Ravens playoffs uh, next, but after that, we're going to talk a lot about the bold predictions. We're each going to give a, a big, bold prediction for this game, Week 1 against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday at 1 o'clock. But let's let's dive into the playoffs real quick. Jacob, what needs to happen for the Ravens to make the playoffs? What what are the big kind of points there? So I know I'm going to kind of repeat myself maybe uh, one or once or twice here. Uh, hopefully I don't. With the uh, Ravens' success is always tied to staying healthy, and that's pretty much kind of uh, goes along with every team in the league. But other than that, I think what you're going to need to see from guys, and especially early on, is I want to see guys establish them themselves and their roles in the offense, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, we've been talking about this position group for a long time now, really dating back to last year when there were issues with it. And now they have seemingly solved it. They have three guys who have three different skill sets, but it still remains to be seen on how exactly they plan to use them throughout the full course of a game, uh, what situations Joe Flacco is going to prefer one guy over the other. Uh, things like that, just getting comfortable with those guys. And also kind of that extends over the tight end group where uh, how, you know, how they plan to use Hayden Hurst and everything we see in the preseason too. We've talked about this where it's not necessarily game planning. So a lot of that is very vanilla, you know, uh, slant routes to John, John Brown, uh, you know, kind of out, uh, maybe a, a, an out and out, uh, out, up and out. Oh, good Lord. Good thing. I'm not a, a good thing. I'm not a coach. Guys would be looking at me crazy in the huddle. I could never call a play as a quarterback. I'd be like fumbling over my words. Um, but yeah, it's just just being comfortable with those guys because there are a lot of new pieces in the offense. And I think if they can get off to a good start, they certainly have the schedule, the first couple, uh, two out of the first three games, especially I think where they can get off to that good start. Um, so that opportunity is there for them to kind of get off and uh, get going in the offense with those new roles. Yeah, actually, you kind of stole both of mine, to be honest. It was really, if, no. if, if the Ravens are going to make the playoffs, they have to stay healthy, which has been a huge thing for them over the last handful of years. You know, I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. 19 players on average this team has put on injured reserve every year for the last four years. That is major. 19 in a, in a single season is a lot. That's that's when you go, wow, they were really hit hard by injuries. To do that continuously for average 19 per season over four years is kind of astounding. It's the, re it's the reason why the Ravens haven't made the playoffs. And, and if you look to last year, Jimmy Smith going down with his injury, immediately after that, the defense really starts to fall off in a large way. Year before that, Jimmy Smith... Also, that's a kind of a theme, actually. Jimmy Smith goes down, and the defense starts to kind of suck a little bit. When you're talking about a game out of the playoffs, 
just one game won, they would have been in last year. Uh, Jimmy Smith, any other injuries, Brandon Williams maybe not being injured, uh, Jeremy Macklin maybe not being injured, those guys, all of a sudden, you're in the playoffs. That's, that's a huge thing for this team. They're so close. It's just those small things. I also think just as a whole this year, I really want to see the offense, like you mentioned, just get better. Just do the small things. Just just perform better. Get get March down the field. Get yourself better field position. Even if you just play the field position game all game long, you're bound to win an extra game or two than you have the last few years. And again, that's playoff time. So I think that's really the huge thing is, is just pay attention a little bit more and just, just stay healthy and, and, and be focused a little bit more than what we have seen maybe in the past, especially in crunch time when you need to win those games. Don't drop a game against the Titans. Um, yep. Real yep. quick, exactly. how, how do the Ravens implode? Yeah, on, okay, so on to the extreme, extremes here. This is where uh, you take the sound bite and you play it in December and you, you act like we screwed up. Um, no, um, so how do the Ravens implode? I think the only way they implode and are one of the worst teams in the NFL or something is if one side of the ball is consistently putting the other unit in a bad position. That could be anything from... The offense turning the ball over, the offense going three and out, putting pressure on the defense to 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 bend and not break. And that was a lot of what happened last year was the defense was forced to bend and not break. And they did it for a while. And then in that last game on fourth and 12, uh, you saw what happened with the Bengals. And that was kind of the same thing what happened in Pittsburgh the year before where um, they had a lead and uh, ended up uh giving that away in the, in the final moments there in Pittsburgh. So, and then on the flip side of that, if the defense is maybe struggling the first couple of weeks without Jimmy Smith, if they can't force turnovers to put the Ravens in a, in a good position, you know, if the defense comes out these first four weeks and they are not playing well, especially the secondary, and that puts extra pressure on Flacco and his new receivers who maybe haven't gelled together yet. And then all of a sudden they're forcing things and all of a sudden they get frustrated and you know you got a new group of guys and there's all this pressure to win and it's just not working out and you got to you know you you just don't want that you want to get off to a nice uh you know slow consistent um methodical start on offense um and that's why I think Alex Collins is such a huge key to this game this weekend against the uh the Bengals the Bills because if he can get going that takes pressure off everybody yeah, you know, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of that. Obviously, we mentioned health being a, a key for the Ravens to make the playoffs. Health being a key to make to, to implode as well. I mean, if, if guys start going down, if we see 19, 20, 21 guys go down this year on injured reserve, chances are the Ravens are going to suck, and that's just the way that typically goes for this team. <laughs> I'll, I'll point it out just point blank like that. It's, you know, I think this is also defensively, uh, Ravens aren't great. Um, and, and I might get a lot of flack for that, but this is a team that really, they, they had the 12th fewest yards allowed per game, um, but they gave up a lot on the, on the ground. They, they were 16th in rushing yards per play, uh, and with Jimmy Smith being out, that's going to make a huge difference in their passing yards per play. So once you start talking about that stuff, that's, that's big. That's really important. 
And the reason why they were so great last year in terms of, of being able to maybe get off the field is because, like you mentioned, they bend but didn't broke. And often in the red zone, they were snagging interceptions. They were getting fumbles. Yep. They were doing that stuff. The second they stop turning the ball over defensively is the second that you're going to see them really start to struggle. I, I, but all in all, I don't think this is really a team that can implode necessarily. I don't think this is a 2-14 and 14 team. I think they just have flat out too much talent. I mean... Barring some major injuries to like everyone, um, you know, all the starters or a lot of major starters, this is a team that just is, it's, it's going to be at worst around 50 50. It's going to be around eight and eight, just simply because they have so much talent at so many different positions, just starting. Um, and then in addition to that, they have so much depth that is seen playing time because of the injuries. It's going to be really hard for this team to quote unquote implode. But Jacob, let me talk to you real quick. Super Bowl. Let, let's let's go the opposite side. How do the Ravens make the Super Bowl? How do they go ahead and hoist the, the Lombardi come February? So another kind of to overlap here. Another thing I think is is key is the receivers uh, able to find those roles quickly, um, and that will help out the entire team, especially as they have some division games in that for those first couple games. Um, I think really the biggest thing defensively that will help, and I've I've touched on this a little bit, the biggest thing defensively is if the pass rush can be uh, competitive with some of the best in the league. If you're going to win in the playoffs, you're going to have to beat, uh, you know, through the last, since 2004, we ran through the uh, numbers on the last episode or, or one of the previous episodes. Go back and listen to all of them. Um <laughs> But uh, you're going to have to have Terrell Suggs and Matt Judon getting to guys like Ben early, who can get the ball out of his hands quick, and Tom Brady, who can get the ball out of his hands quick. And uh, also maybe a guy like Phillip Rivers, another veteran quarterback who, you know, the Chargers are favored to win that division. So if if that's a potential uh, road trip, the Ravens as a wild card team have to make across uh, the country to play – the Chargers at home, one thing will, that will really help them on the road is that pass rush. Um, so that's the biggest key to me. Um, and that's been a little bit of the problem the last two years, right, where they lost on defensive plays where touchdowns were allowed uh, passing the ball. Maybe if there was a little bit uh, more pressure on the quarterback in those games just in general, um, they – could have gotten out of there with the win. So, um, I, and I do like Matt Judon and Terrell Suggs. I think those guys, you've heard me talk about Matt Judon. I think he's poised for a great year. So uh, it, it's definitely a possibility. And I think the Ravens maybe aren't getting enough credit uh, to where people should have them in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just say this. I think they just need to make the playoffs. I think this is a team that is built to do wonders in the playoffs. And we've seen it. I mean, two, 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 two times. Uh, in which they've made it as a wild card and then suddenly exploded in the playoffs and dominated everybody. And this is a team that even in their like most mediocre years in the playoffs still were able to go toe-to-toe with guys like Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and, and teams like that and Peyton Manning and really kind of take them to task. This is a team that's mm-hmm. kind of built to beat those guys. They just need to get to 10, maybe 11 wins in order to squeak into the playoffs to have that happen. And if they can do that and be moderately healthy at that point, this is a team that 
really does. I'll bet on them to make the Super Bowl if they get into the wild card uh, a spot. I, I, I would have confidence in them to ratchet it up to 11 all of a sudden and become a better team once those games start getting colder and they really start to matter and it's it's a one and done in the, in the playoffs time. So uh, just get to the playoffs. Uh, I think that's, that's a huge thing. And then at that point, I, I can't imagine a lot of analysts wouldn't start maybe voting for the Ravens to be that sneaky team uh, from the wild card and go ahead and snag that uh, Super Bowl trophy. So let's go ahead and talk a little about fantasy football. Uh, Locked On has obviously created a bunch of shows. We talked about college earlier. We're going to go ahead and talk about a fantasy football show this time. It's crunch time for fantasy football, and Locked On is delivering. Locked On has a brand new fantasy football show, Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. Fantasy Football 24-7 will give you the latest trends, the hottest roster moves, and where to get the advantage. Plus, Ethan Turner, the injury expert, gives you the edge. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. I know I'm listening. I know I'm going to win my fantasy football league. So uh, uh, you take that as a giant vote of confidence. Um, we're going to go ahead and just talk real quick because we're almost out of time. Bold predictions. Jacob, give me your bold prediction for week one. Ravens, Buffalo Bills. What's what's the big thing that you think happens? So my bold prediction was going to be uh, Alex Collins um, goes for uh, 100 more than – LaShawn McCoy does uh, on the ground, but uh, I'm, I'm going to tweak it a little bit because I think uh, uh, Shady might get some some garbage time uh, yards. I, I had the Ravens winning this game, if you couldn't already tell. Um, I'm going to say Alex Collins goes for 150 yards on the ground uh, just because I think that the, the Ravens are going to get out to an early lead and the game script is going to develop into that. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say this. My bold prediction is the Ravens dominate for 60 straight minutes. It's not close from the opening whistle to the final whistle. They come out, they beat up on Nathan Peterman, they shut down the only weapon the Bills have offensively, which is LaShawn McCoy. They just put five guys on him, and then it becomes like Sandlot football where throw it up, please throw it up, I'm going to intercept it repeatedly, um, which is what the Bills are eventually going to do. They're going to get desperate, start throwing the ball up, and then then that's when you're going to see five interception Nathan Peterman show up. Um, then offensively, I think this is the best offense I've ever seen the Ravens have. And, and I'm having seen them now at practice as well as, as in game uh, preseason games, this is an offense that is scary, quiet, good. Um, if again, everyone can stay healthy, like we mentioned before, this is an offense that I expect to be able to march up and down the field against a, a pretty good bills defense uh, pretty much at will. Uh, maybe a, maybe a decent number of field goals in this one, but uh, I I certainly see just the Ravens just beating up on the Bills to start their season off right uh, when jobs are really on the line. So um, I, I won't give a score necessarily on this one because I've I've set a few other different scores, but uh, it's not going to be close. I'm with you, man. I don't think uh, this is going to be a close game, and the Ravens will start season one and zero. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well. We are Jacob Troxel and Matthew Stevens. You can go ahead and catch Jacob over there at Trox3, T-R-O-X-3. You can catch me at Matthew S underscore NFL on Twitter, as well as the podcast Locked on Ravens. We are Locked on Ravens. This is episode whatever on for Friday, right before the Buffalo Bills week one on Sunday. So make sure you go ahead and tune into us five days a week. Our next episode will be covering maybe a little bit more about the Buffalo Bills right before the matchup. And then on Monday, 
uh, we'll go ahead and talk about what happened in the game. So uh, a lot of really good stuff coming up in the next few episodes to to kind of hopefully start the Ravens off 1-0. Uh, make sure you listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify, and then follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, that's it for today, and uh, yeah, catch us tomorrow.